0: Hey, Stellarman fans, I'm your host, Mary Rectoris. I wanted to give this episode a brief intro because we did a first for the podcast. We did this episode in the wild with Ines Rubio in Dublin, Ireland at the Brazen Head, which is actually the oldest pub in Dublin. We did the podcast outside the bar there, so it was a little bit windy. So I just want to caveat that the audio is a little bit fluky at certain parts. We did this podcast in video form as well. So if you're interested in checking it out, please go to relativity.com blog. And with that, here's this month's episode of Stellar Woman. your host, Mary Rectoris, and I'm coming to you from one of my favorite places in the world, Dublin, Ireland. So super pumped to be here. We have Ines Rubio from BSI, and then J.C. Steinbrenner, who's the brand director and ally of Stellar Woman, and he's also filling in for Mila Taylor as the co-host. So he has some big shoes to fill, especially because he's the first male podcast yes. guest and host.
1: It's exciting, it's exciting. It's an honor to be here. I'm very excited. It's an honor to be here in this this bar, uh, this pub, the Brazen Head. Do so you know this bar? It's been an establishment since 1190, 1198,
0: 1198?
1: 1100 70. some year. 1100. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Since <laughs> for a very long time. For a very long time. So people have been drinking here, partying here, and having now podcasts here. So yeah. glad to add to the tradition.
2: All the uh, yeah, oldest tavern in Ireland, as far as I'm aware. Oh, that's so,
0: Yeah. You're from Spain, right, Ines? Yes, I am. And yeah. you're now in Dublin. And where else have you lived?
2: Well, I've lived in Belgium and the Netherlands, um, and uh, yeah, I did that before, basically before I moved here, and um, after I decided I wanted to leave Spain and travel the world a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the most unexpected part about living abroad? Um, I guess it's uh, I guess the first couple of days after you are moving to a location, it's just, it's all systems go. You know, you have to figure out where it is that you actually live, <laughs> your neighborhood. You know, people that can help you, friends. It just takes a bit of time to adjust. Um, I was lucky enough when I moved here that I didn't have to do that because I'd already been traveling here, uh, you know, weekends at the time. And um, wow. and my partner was here as well. So it was easy to, to adjust. And also Ireland is, is a really easy place to live. People are super nice and very welcoming. And it was definitely something that really helped in that sense. That's
0: why it's one of my favorite places. Everyone's just so friendly. Mm, and
2: yeah.
0: just, Everyone likes
1: you. Well, is there anything um, in all of your travels that is really you've really brought into your work? Is there anything that you've really learned from moving the place to place that has helped you in your career?
2: Um, I think adjusting to other people as well, so being flexible around you know when you move to a new place and like understanding what are the standards there and how do people behave and what do they expect from you and I guess it's a, a lot of respect in that front as well. So flexibility and, and respect, I think. Um, be the top of the list for sure that yeah. sounds like two great learning points yeah yeah i mean it's just it's just the way i guess you have to be when you go to a new place you know you're saying that when you're traveling some people might take it in, i don't know not the greatest way if you behave in a certain way it's just different for them so uh just a bit of an awareness of, of that really helps definitely
0: so when you were in Brussels, you were in lawyers without borders, without borders yeah can you tell us a little bit about that
2: Yeah, so um, it's the, I guess, the the French version, so Avocats Sans Frontieres, but they, most of the things that they do is around um, international projects, mostly in Africa, but also in South America, um, around bringing justice to people that maybe don't have access to justice as easily. Uh, So they have a number of projects around uh, international crimes, uh, they have projects around access to justice, also protection of lawyers in certain jurisdictions, which is, you know, for us, probably a bit of a given, but uh, in certain and certain countries, it's not exact. You know, a lot of lawyers are actually kind of persecuted, and, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a level of, of that. So there's different projects that are basically involving the law and uh, access to justice in general. Yeah.
0: What interested you about criminal law?
2: Oh, um, I just find it fascinating. I've always loved, this sounds really weird, but I always found it like I always loved like CSI and all these like real crime shows and I think it's the it's the people aspect though. It's the you know what people do and how they do it and why they do it and I just find it fascinating. For better or worse I guess, but it's still I find it really interesting, yeah.
0: Do you listen to any crime podcasts? No,
2: I I, like, I prefer music than podcasts, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, so I would usually listen to music in the car or wherever if I'm traveling. But um, I did listen to Serial, and I loved it. Serial. Season oh one. God. I
0: like, always try to give a shout-out to Crime Junkie. If you happen to be listening, you're one of my favorite podcasts. So please sponsor us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Serial, even the intro music gave me the chills. It was just it was oh, really, really good. Do you think he was guilty? I don't think so.
0: You don't think so? No. Oh my but again, gosh. it's just
2: more about was there enough evidence to show that he was guilty? And yeah. There wasn't. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. No. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you're a lawyer, so you would know yeah. better than retired
2: then. lawyer, retired lawyer,
0: lawyer yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> so, is there any particular case or moment from doing lawyers without borders that resonates with you and stands out?
2: Uh, well, I was particularly involved in a project that um, helped victims of international crimes uh participate in proceedings in the international criminal court um so for me that was really really interesting and we basically helped them uh, there's a form they have to fill out basically you know just an application ultimately but you know when you're trying to describe the facts or what you, you know if you're a victim you know what you lost uh, when somebody came in and pillaged your town it's really difficult to make an exhaustive list of everything that people have taken from your house. So right. it was like from a, it was really difficult to I guess level with the situation on the ground and the legal aspect of you can't just say everything was destroyed from my house because that's you know you can't there's no quantification, there's no detailed explanation. And that was really difficult to explain and I can imagine I wasn't in the field at the time but I can imagine when you have you know, somebody from Europe come back to, and say, oh, your application was denied because, or not denied, but it has to be tailored because you're not being, you know, specific enough. And they're like, listen, I lost everything. Are right. you serious? Your you life's know? been destroyed yeah. with the paperwork side yeah, of Yeah, exactly. So. so I think it's really difficult to to put those things together and balance that out. And I think that's something I've always been very interested in international, public international law, and, you know, United Nations. I follow that quite closely. and. Um, I think there's always been a bit of a, there's still a bit of a disconnect. I think that's a bit of a point that is a struggle for international organizations because it's hard to, you know, uh, know how people are feeling on the ground and what exactly um, is happening, you know? So, um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting um, thing that I learned there.
0: Well, and now you're running security at BSI,
2: right? Well, um, yeah, ish. Uh, uh, So yeah, BSI, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to take all the the credit, but um, BSI um, Cybersecurity and Information Resilience is basically a stream of BSI business um, that does consulting, and we do a lot of things around um, just helping our clients with any issues they have with their data. That means security, that means management, privacy, data protection, e-discovery, forensics, uh, incident response. So, um, but we also help them, you know, get technology that will help them to manage their own data. With say cloud security um, uh, <laughs> products and, and how to implement them and manage them, etc. Um, and also like we do a lot of training around that, so it all comes nicely together. It's, it's very like all those areas overlap so much. So sure. um, it's just you know it's it's a good kind of. I always say like basically we go to a client and say, well, how are you managing your data? How can we help you along all of these other points? So um, yeah, that's kind of what we what we're trying to do is help them with their data. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Information resilience is a term I hadn't heard
2: before. Yeah,
1: it's, it's yeah. very artful. You yeah. talk a little bit about what that means.
2: Yeah, so I mean I guess in the in the modern way of doing business, I think the resilience is something that BSI has always had in their in their uh, forefront of it's organizational resilience ultimately. It's being able to be flexible when things change, you know, when there's a virus outbreak and how do you really react to that and how how is your business gonna be affected by that and, and how to minimize risk and Obviously today, information is such a big part of that, you know, it's how we all communicate, it's where the value is, and um, and you have to be able to be flexible with that as well, and be, be able to react to situations in an easy way that's not going to just destroy your business overnight. Um,
1: yeah. Is this something that a lot of your clients really think about, or they come to you because they don't know how to think about it, or they? Uh, what's the level of... Um of uh, like knowledge out there in the world that you see in terms of the importance of data and being
2: clients. yeah it varies I mean we have clients that are huge multinationals and we have clients that are SMEs and um, obviously I guess the budget constraints or or when you're actually thinking of a budget for next year and um, some organizations certain things may be of a higher priority than others but I think obviously there's there's an element for everyone of how to manage their information, what to do about it, what areas they select to prioritize, probably also depends on what type of business they're running, what infrastructure they have, you know, what applications do they use, do they have personal data, do they not, you know, so it really varies. Um, but ultimately, everybody needs to do a lot of work on that front. So um, sure. size doesn't <laughs> size doesn't matter when it <laughs> comes <laughs> to the data. Uh, yeah. Sure then <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to that.
0: So I want to say congratulations, I read that you were named security leader of the year Thanks. in the fall.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Can you tell me about that award and kind of your experience in the security field that yeah. led you to get
2: that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the award was great, I mean, the team BSI did a lot of work around that and, and it was great to be recognized on that front because um, a lot of people still, there's a bit of a challenge for us still for people to know our brand, so that was great to kind of get out there and we were there you know, shortlisted alongside Facebook and, you know, a lot of other big companies like that. So it was great to, to, to get in there, I guess. Um, from the perspective of the, the award, it's part of the Dublin Tech Summit. So uh, it's particularly for women, that's the kind of angle of the awards themselves, but it's, Dublin Tech Summit has a much bigger um, reach, I guess. So uh, it's a very big uh, conference and event that runs. So it's, It's great. It's great Mm -hmm. to be involved in that, yeah. Um, In terms of security, I guess, my initial um, experiences with security were when I joined BSI. At the time, it was was ESPN, and um, it was just, I came from a legal background, so I wasn't really, you know, into security or had the awareness, but I just learned a lot from listening to other people, from getting involved in training, Um, and again, it's a a layer that is completely basically the overlapping layer over e-discovery as well and and, and data management, data review. So it's really, I always encourage people to just, not just focus on their core, I guess, layer of knowledge, but everything that kind of goes in the outer core that overlaps. And security is obviously a big one there. And I know that Relativity Mm -hmm. do a lot of work obviously around that. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's the forefront of a lot of, I guess, priorities for organizations and people. So it's really interesting to be able to talk about security as well as e-discovery or privacy, you know?
0: Definitely. Well, shifting gears slightly, love to talk about Gaelic football. <laughs> yeah. So you described it as a mix of kind of almost every sport. Mm-hmm. There's like some basketball, some rugby, some football. First, can you tell our listeners what the heck Gaelic football <laughs> is? Yeah,
2: so Gaelic, uh, so the GAA basically is like a Gaelic, um, Gaelic sports and the two most known sports Gaelic sports are uh, hurling and football. Um, Herding is a completely different, uh, you know, story and we could talk for hours about that but uh, football in particular, it is a bit of a mix of all sports that you know combined. Um, It's uh, really fast-paced, a lot of sprinting involved, 15 players on the field, Uh, you can score goals and points so that's where it's kind of similar to, I guess, oh. American football or rugby. Oh, uh, sounds then. like my type
1: of sport where right? I can't, I can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Sport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports and goals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just really fun, and it's it's actually played globally. It's played in the U. S. it's played in Asia, it's played in Europe, and you know, mainland Europe. Uh, that's where I started playing actually. So uh, yeah, it's just. A,
1: a lot of fun really now what makes it so, uh, so renowned for being a, a brutal sport <laughs> is it just like, uh, like a full contact kind of
2: no it's not full or... contact but there's a there's a lot of contact i think a lot of the brutality around it is also about how intense it is on your body regardless of contact because uh, you know, you just, you're just you just sprinting up and down and you're, you know, covering a lot of space and opening, you know, making yourself big like a bear, as we say to the kids that we train, and um, you just, it's just, yeah, pe- you get knocks and people sure. try to run, you know, by you and, you know, knock your arm over or whatever, but, um, but I guess it's, it's uh, because it's so fast-paced, you're really dependent on your teammates as well, so there's a way you can pass with your hand, It's kind of like a, an underarm volleyball serve. Um so it means that you're close enough to be from your team and you really depend on them to kind of get out of um out of trouble you know yeah. so it's uh it really is great as for for team spirit as well and mm-hmm. teamwork yeah
1: what do you what do you get out of it what, what keeps you going what keeps you going uh yeah the season, to
2: season? <laughs> lack of injuries are not serious injuries is <laughs> probably the one at the top of the list but uh yeah it's just uh you know you get to go training with you know Thirty girls and everybody's super nice and you know you get to keep fit and enjoy it. Like I, I don't look forward to going to the gym, but I look forward to go to my training session, my daily football training session. So that's something that it's a great way out to just you know get over a bad day at work or a good day at work and just right. you know um, and celebrate that way. I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. So.
0: I'm not sure if this will resonate with you, but when we were driving here, we were saying, yeah, we're meeting our customer. They do Gaelic football. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, her name is Ines," And he seemed shocked that it was (laughs) a girl playing the sport. So he said
1: something like, oh, you must be brave. I'm like, well,
0: she. She's brave. (laughs) She's very brave, yeah. So you mentor young athletes. Mm -hmm. Do you find that they deal with that narrative where it's more of a...
2: Aggressive masculine spore or how do you kinda So the 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 group that I that I train they're around eleven years old and I have an interesting story because we were training them separately to the boys one, one Saturday morning and towards the end of the session we were, we were like, Oh we're gonna actually play a little game with the boys and one of the girls was actually new to it. She looked at me she's like, What do you mean? I'm gonna play against a boy? And I was like, Yeah, I'm like, sure, you can them <laughs> and she's like are you sure? I was like really nervous about it, and I said, well, one of the positions as a, as a defender in Gaelic football, you really, your objective is really to stick with the player that you're supposed to be covering. Kind so of like basketball, her, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I said to her, you just have to stick with him. Just do not let him be an option for a pass. Just stick with him. She's like, okay. So um, yeah, she she did a fantastic job to the point where at the end of it I was like, see, aren't you happy you were playing? She's like, yeah, I'm actually so thrilled I played against the boy and didn't even get one pass. <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly. Heck yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's there's a big problem at the moment where I think it's past age 11 actually where you become a teenager and you know maybe it's, especially in girls it's like oh I don't wanna I dropped the sport I just don't, don't want I'm not really interested in that anymore. And there has to be a lot of work to be done around that. I think it's changing now. I think when I was growing up, it was even more cute where like, you know, there was people who hadn't worked out in, or played any sports in like 10 years or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was more of like, seen as like a masculine thing. And, you know, um, but I think that's changing. I think the, the parameters now are like, no, strong women, strong young women and going to the gym and being, you know, having muscles on your legs is, is the good thing that you want to you wanna aim for. So I think that's changing now, but there is a bit of work to be done there to encourage people to stay in sports, mm-hmm. especially especially girls. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm no athlete by any means. I've mm. always been very mediocre. Like one of the oh, better. Oh, that's not. No, honestly, I'm, <laughs> I'm one, <sure> <laughs> one of the better sports. people on the B team. That's, so that's how I would describe myself. But I'm like I weightlift, and I just like when I tell people that you know I'm not squatting a ton, but I guys will be like well do you want to get big i'm like that's mm. a negative perception everybody mm. should weight lift everybody mm. should build muscle yeah. it actually burns more fat and you sculpt your body more than just doing the elliptical for yeah two hours or whatever yeah. 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 so i think it kind of feeds into that yeah just that negative connotation or really that narrative that doesn't really serve yeah. anyone so yeah
2: Well, i think it's about the knowledge of fitness actually like i'm no fitness expert either but I know that if I'm playing a sport at a certain level and in a certain, at a certain age, I have to go to the gym and not necessarily maybe lift weights, but lift with my own body weight as well, you know, and, you know, it builds your muscles and makes them resilient and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but then you avoid injuries, you know, um, so I think that's absolutely the way to go and it's combining the elliptical with weights and other things that just whatever whatever um, makes you kind of happy and look forward to Working out and right,
0: well, whatever, like what you'll be consistent about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: Yeah. whatever gets you over the New Year's resolution, breaking the New Year's resolution hump, you know,
0: (laughs) it is almost over. It is February, basically. Well, let's
1: talk. We talk a little bit about mentoring because Mm -hmm. you mentor uh, girls in Gaelic football, and we understand you've been mentoring at the office, too. Yeah, Uh, yeah. what's, uh, What's the most difficult thing about being a mentor? What the thing that you really have to keep in mm.
2: Um yeah I, I, I'm part of a uh, apart from my I guess mentoring at work with you know my team um, I am part of a, a a group that is mentoring women in legal tech actually it's run by Legal Geek and uh, it's the second year I'm participating in that and yeah one of the things that is the most difficult is, I guess trying to let well letting people find their own way you know mm-hmm. uh, still he- sharing your experience but like they have to have their own experience as well, and they may not want the same things that you wanted or want now. And and it's about how to support them and making their own decisions. Very similar to coaching, you know. Um, it's really difficult when you're coaching to say not to say you should be doing this, you know. It's right. like, what about have you considered any other options? You know. So uh, it's kind of <laughs> like you know, it's a mix of lessons learned because ultimately, if I made a mistake years ago and I found this great solution for it. I want them to know what the solution is. That doesn't mean they shouldn't make that same mistake because they will learn from it anyway. Sure. But at least they'll have the you know the solution handy so that they know that they can uh, rectify it. Um, and I think another thing as well is just sharing information. So it's it's a two way street here, you know. Like uh, we have a, we talk about things. I share things about myself or things that are I'm having challenges with. And you know, as a mentee, they might also have they might have a solution for me or great pointers as well. So. Oh, it's a, it's a great uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes both ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's a fluid thing. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Awesome. well, we're really, really bummed to leave <laughs> this, this interview, this it's bar, short, and Zoplin. But, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, we must go through the dreaded customs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, you'll come back soon. Um, you're obviously super welcome to come whenever and. Um, We'll show you around uh, all the cool spots oh, in Dublin. Wonderful. We'll go
0: to Temple Bar, although that might be like too, that
2: might be like the college.
0: Yeah. <laughs> typical <laughs> answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you, you see your guests cringe. <laughs> no, no. Walk that, it's yeah. just uh,
0: it's something to experience for sure. But then we'll go we'll go somewhere else yeah. as, well, as well. We'll take a picture outside and then we'll go somewhere. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah. yeah, a yeah little yeah. more there manageable. Are cool spots in Temple
2: Bar, but yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for meeting no us.
1: No
2: Cool. Thanks
0: very much, guys. And for Stellar Woman, I'm Mary Rectoris,
1: and I'm JC Steinbrenner. Signing, Signing off. off.
0: Thanks, Mila, for letting JC fill in.